You're listening to Once, episode 350, Farewell Once Upon a Time. Hello, and welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Jeremy. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jacqueline. And we're here to say farewell to Once Upon a Time. And just basically cry altogether. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an hour-long cry fest is what this podcast really is tonight. Right. It's just crying, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so... We have recorded 349 episodes of One's podcast. <laughs> In various <Gosh>. forms. <laughs> Not counting the however many we recorded for the Once spinoff, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. True. And this is episode 350. Which seems so appropriate. Very appropriate. Or at least very even. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and because this is, well, because we've already had a full discussion about the finale, this is kind of our full discussion about the series as a whole. And we're going to go scene by scene, so buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> it all started with Emma sitting at a restaurant as a bail bonds person. I don't even think that's how it started. Is it's that not. how it started? No, it's Charming running, uh, riding through <laughs> oh, the woods yeah. on his horse. But you know, I sorry, I, got I was you I was counting as present day. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. Oh man, seven years. Seven yeah. years. And sort of and seven we... and a half because it started in the fall. So it's yeah. been yeah. seven years since season one ended. And we kind of or not. had high expectations of our listeners when we were like, hey, just send us some short feedback for us to include <laughs> about your favorite moments from the show. Um, right. <laughs> and we got a lot of feedback. We did. And we read all the feedback. And we have tried to include as much of it as possible. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to say there. Now, some of it may be edited for time. Yes. And we may stop to discuss your words. And we kind of have two, well, we have actually three kind of separate feedback sections. We have Jacqueline, who is going to be heading up the forum feedback discussion with some highlights from the forums, since she is queen of that realm. Yes. <laughs> the good queen. The, the good queen. queen. Oh, are you the good queen? I am now. Okay. Just, and probably also the conspiracy mayor. Good queen. <laughs> also the mayor, mainly because I want to say, time to put your mayor pants on. <laughs> and then we also want to share your favorite moments. We're going to share our favorite moments. It's just, it's going to be just kind of a, uh, it's going to be an episode of closure. We all need some closure. <laughs> and uh, I think my favorite part is going to be sharing your feedback on how the show has changed you or how it impacted you or how your life has changed since you started watching the show. I really enjoyed reading those. So I'm really excited to share those. 
it's it's such a different format for us. Yeah. And I I my brain is searching for plot to talk about. <laughs> and there is none. And there is none. So, so let's just jump right in. <laughs> jump right into the portal of feedback. We except now we don't jump in because actually as of late it's become a spinning orange circle that just goes in front of us so we can walk into it instead of jumping. Or drive a beignet truck. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's do that one. All right. Hop in, everyone. <laughs> We're also going to play a little game. Follow along at home. We're going to see how many times we can say beignet in this episode. <laughs> Since that's what season seven was all about. Does it count if we say beignets? <laughs> yep. It just has to be close to the word beignet. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Well, I will start us off reading some feedback from Melanie. Melanie shared her favorite moments with us, and her top three were Snow and Charming's story about how they met, the original one specifically, not the one changed by time travel. I would agree with that. Emma believing, fighting with Regina and kissing Henry to break the curse, and Charming's line about Thanksgiving because it shows how everyone is connected and acknowledges that, yes, it is a little crazy how they are all connected. I loved all three of these moments, and I I think part of why I loved reading all this feedback was being reminded of all the moments that I had kind of forgotten about. Right. I yeah. kind of wanted to go back through. I really wanted to sort of review the whole series and look at every episode and, and figure out what my favorite moments really were. And then I realized I probably would come up with some more, but if they were truly my favorites, I probably already have them in my head. I have a nice little list. So <laughs> those are probably sure. my, if they stood out for this long... They probably are my true favorites. I love the Thanksgiving line that Melanie mentioned. It's probably one of my favorites. Um, it's a good thing we don't have Thanksgiving in our realm because that dinner would suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's right after they realize that uh, Neil is really Balefire, is Rumpel's mm -hmm. son, and how they are all connected. And it's as soon as that line was said, I instantly wanted a thanksgiving dinner at some point in this show <laughs> like i just wanted them all sitting around a thanksgiving table this huge slightly ridiculous and silly family having a dinner maybe at granny's maybe at granny's as a parting it's, shot for the as end a parting of the shot <laughs> <laughs> so that was a 2b line uh, season 2b yeah yeah that was okay. um manhattan which is 214 oh Speaking of Manhattan, <laughs> I didn't know that that was from Manhattan. My feedback that I was going to share from Brian is if I had to go with one favorite moment, because I think a lot of us have more than one, he said, our favorite episode, I guess, as he's talking about is 214 Manhattan. He said, to me, that episode was borderline flawless. And I was excited to share this because that is definitely one of my favorite episodes. I agree that it was flawless. At the time, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and some of my very favorite scenes are from that episode as well. That episode remains my second favorite episode in the entire series. Um, hmm. There's there's one that beats it out, but it's real slim. <laughs> but um, yeah, that episode to me was just perfect. I loved it so oh. much. I would say that's my second favorite as well. So fist pump. I would say that it's largely in the vault that is 
where season two resides in my brain. But I now will perhaps go rewatch that episode specifically. <laughs> I could reenact some of the scenes for you right now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> as tempting as that is. <laughs> there is a line in that episode where I was like, I want to be able to put this into everyday conversation so bad, but it will never happen. And it's when Emma looks at Neil and says, you left me and let me go to prison because Pinocchio told you to. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Well, speaking of Neil, (laughs) Brian also sent us some more feedback about one of the biggest mistakes that the show ever made. Um, Because you might have favorite moments, but we also have least favorite moments. And for Brian, the biggest mistake, no doubt, was killing off Neil. Especially when I read it wasn't because the actor wanted out of the show. It was just a boneheaded decision made by the showrunners. (laughs) (laughs) And if anyone has been listening to this podcast for any length of time, they already know all my opinions on that. (laughs) Which I'm sure I'll share before the night is over again. (laughs) (laughs) And Jacqueline, I think you can also speak to the listeners feedback on that like there that was probably one of the most controversial yeah moments of the show in the forums and in your experience kind of wrangling feedback like you do in that context yeah everything leading up to that um because very early on in january we had a spoiler that one of the main cast members was leaving permanently and that his character would be killed off And um, if my co-mod Matt is listening, he will attest to the fact that we got very little sleep that hiatus, that we spent (laughs) our entire winter break breaking up fights and trying to (laughs) put people in separate corners. (laughs) Because uh, instantly, a lot of people said Neil, a lot of people said Belle, and a lot of people said Hook. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then episode 315 happened, and it was Neil, and yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> you, the the feeling seemed to be either it was the single biggest mistake the show ever made, and you were very angry, and a lot of people stopped watching, and then the other half was, we're sad for Henry, and we're sad for Rumple, but we don't care that much about his character to be that upset about it. And, you know, those feelings kind of just festered for a long time. I would say, or I remember having a somewhat lengthy monologue while we podcasted about that episode about (laughs) how like there's still hope. And I think the show was trying to show that you can have this very, very horrendous, awful situation and come back from it and you can still have a happy ending because I think a lot of the feedback was like, well, they're taking away all their happy endings, like Emma's, Henry's, Rumpel's, and then... That was kind of where I was at. But yeah, given that there was so much, I do know a lot of people that stopped watching at that time as well. I do remember that. And the problem, I guess, was always we weren't sure how intentional they were being. There were all these lessons we could take from what was done. We just were kind of questioning, did they mean it like that? Or did they just sort of mess up? Yeah. yeah, And because yeah, I think one one week they'll they would always say something a little deeper like that, but then there'd be these throwaway lines like the beginning of season seven where Henry goes, "You did it! You brought back all the happy endings." Like, but but I thought we had a happy beginning. Yeah, 
And I thought endings weren't good, which was actually the more consistent message of the show. <laughs> I wonder if it was kind of like in, in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, they started out as the theme being nothing is impossible in Wonderland. And then they very kind of subtly changed that language to being everything is possible in Wonderland, which, yeah, like ultimately that's the exact same message, really, if you want to mm-hmm. get technical. <laughs> that's true. But um, I wonder if they just threw that language around to appease us because we were we held very tightly to the pilot for a very long time. And Henry always said, you're going to bring back the happy endings. And then their journey was kind of discovering that every ending is a happy beginning. I don't know. (laughs) Might be a stretch. Yeah, they did try to bring us closure that we demanded. Some demanded the final battle closure a little more than others. (laughs) That definitely got done, too. (laughs) Yes. Matthew R. sent us an overall favorite moment, which was, for him, season three, episode 11, which was called Going Home. It was the mid or the season three mid-season finale. And as he describes it, as Pan's curse descends upon Storybrooke, Emma and Henry bid a tearful farewell to their family and friends at the town line as they leave Storybrooke for New York. Regina reveals that they will lose their memories of Storybrooke, but gifts them new memories of Emma raising Henry. Two and a half seasons in, and the cast had built up such strong relationships, everything about this scene resonated. If once it ended there and then, I would have been satisfied. I'm glad it didn't, as there was much more to come, but honestly, that Neverland arc was brilliant, and this moment encapsulated the character relationships perfectly. And, Matthew, I agree. That was actually, that moment was on my list. Oh. For all those reasons. It was just such a good moment, and there was a question of, it. well, it seemed like Storybrooke was gone. It could have been a a series finale, but you knew it wasn't, because before they even closed the episode... There was Hook at the door saying they had to come back and they didn't know who he was. <laughs> I don't think I realized that was a mid-season finale, as I'm remembering, because everything's kind of meshed together in my head. But right. I do remember that season, and I guess I do remember now that Hook came to the door. <laughs> but <laughs> Right. <laughs> that would have been a good series finale, too. Yeah. They got really good at ending the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, in a way, it... It. Um, I've heard people talk about this before, and but that in a way, episode three eleven going home kind of is a bit of a series finale. People sometimes break once upon a time into like three different sections. You have once upon a time A, which is season one through three eleven. Once upon a time B, which is three B up until the end of season six, and then depending on what you want to say, either the epilogue or the spinoff or um, the reboot, which is season seven. <laughs> um, you know, 3.11 serves as kind of the end of the first story of Once Upon a Time. And, and the writers even said as much. You know, they talked about a giant red reset button that they hit at the end of 3.11 by taking the curse back and like, okay, we told that story, let's tell something else. And so, right. you know, the rest of it up until the end of season six is kind of not a different show, but also kind of a different show. But the same town because they got really good at putting that clock tower in. Yes. They <laughs> really did. <laughs> that wasn't even... So a lot of people sent 
I guess, Jacqueline, you can talk about this more. There was something going around the forums that was like kind of a survey of everybody's mm-hmm. favorite moments, favorite, least favorite moments, legacy, favorite episode. And so Keeper of Squid Ink sent in his entire, like his copy of that. But what I really liked were his, it was like, what is the legacy of Once Upon a Time? And I laughed out loud for some of these. <laughs> um, so one, which I completely agree with, Mark Isham's that's wrong. <laughs> One, which I completely agree with, Mark Isham's soundtrack for the series. I think it's iconic. I think that people will be listening to it. I don't know. I hope he puts out another another chapter of that. Oh, and total sidebar, we'll link it in the show notes. He did release on SoundCloud the finale music. Yeah, he's actually got a lot up there. From once and from other projects. (laughs) My favorite, unfortunately, my favorite, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one of my top five scores for the series was from Wonderland and it was Will and Anastasia's theme and it took Mm. us forever to find it and then Matthew found it and he sent it to me and it's not by Mark Isham, which which is probably why it was so hard to find. Oh, I see. Uh, I don't remember who it was by. (laughs) Can we link that in the show notes too? Yeah, we can. Yes. So you haven't um, lost it. Good. <laughs> so keep, no, I, I have it on my phone. Oh. <laughs> no, it's a good, it's a really good score. So Keeper of Squid Ink, he said, Mark Isham's soundtrack for the series. Two, people still need and want a happy ending. Three, why you need hire the nerd obsessed fans and a good podcast to support a TV show. Four, why networks should not change a show's time slot. <laughs> Five, <laughs> If you plan to do a reboot, choose wisely. The timelines alone would make one's head spin. (laughs) (laughs) I like this because we got a lot of feedback, like a lot of feedback from listeners that said they only kept watching the show because they wanted to keep listening to the podcast. (laughs) I know. We we heard that for years. (laughs) And so sometimes I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe ABC should pay us. But, you know, never happened. (laughs) They should have paid us and occasionally flown some of us out there to have, like, consulting meetings. Yes. (laughs) And by some of us, she means herself. I do, in fact, mean myself. Um, I would gladly take some of you. But, yeah, no, mostly I I kept waiting for the phone to ring and Adam to just be like, hey, it's Adam and Eddie. You want to come out and have a chat? Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) Hashtag hire the nerd. (laughs) (laughs) what i find hilarious is that like throughout this these seven years so the show was on for whatever seven and a half years like what's changed with media and how shows run and how like so in the middle of these seven years i don't remember which probably around season like two or three of once other shows started and they started hard like they started like Let's do Twitter um, live tweeting. Let's do a podcast. Like they, for a while, ABC did have an official once podcast. Mm -hmm. And they had an official podcast for a bunch of their other shows where writers and actors and whatever would be guests on it, which I find really interesting because I guess like podcasting has changed so much in the past seven years too. ABC tried something at the beginning of season two that was my favorite thing ever. 
a comedian named Ali Ward recapped their episodes every week for weeks. And she was hilarious. Oh. She, I mean, she made it funny. <laughs> so we should try to find some of those if we can. We'll link to some of those in the show notes as well. <laughs> I, I was so sad when she stopped doing it. Oh, I didn't realize that that had happened. That was before I was on the podcast, I think. Yes, we'll, um, yes, there is fun to be had once we find those. <laughs> well, and I'm also looking forward to listening to Jacqueline and Hunter's spoilers. True. Right. You've got like how many years worth of our spoilers now to listen to. And you can, I mean, really what you need to listen to is our dramatic reenactments of script teases. <laughs> Oh. Which I think were big hits with everybody. It's really great. <laughs> I think we got some feedback about that too. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> um, Leanne sent in a favorite moment, and she said that hers is probably the Belle and Rumple wedding, and then the dance in the episode after. It was just the best. <laughs> Which, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag not over it yet. <laughs> I mean, it was okay. No, I'm just kidding. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> and similar to that, or mentioning sort of the same things, Kina wrote to us, thanks for everything you do. I'm truly going to miss this podcast, but everything must come to an end. So my favorite moment for the final season is from the episode Beauty when Rumbell get to somewhat grow old together. <laughs> my favorite moment overall is from season six episode Heartless when the evil queen puts the sleeping spell on Charming and Snow. That was great writing. That was such great writing. Well, thank you, Kina. Those are kind words. And they did get to grow old together. I love that episode from season Rumpel seven. Rumpel was already old, but <laughs> just timelessly old. Yes. Old-ish, not that old. <laughs> that was a really great season seven episode. And I didn't I wasn't a huge fan of Rumble even being together, but that episode kind of that was when he really like legit changed. I yeah, yeah and I was actually very happy that they did it that way because they gave us real payoff to all the back and forth. They had more good years by far in the end than they had bad flip-floppy years. Yeah. I love that episode as I think, you know, most people would expect me to um, from start to finish. And one of my very favorite moments, I'll go ahead and share it now from the entire series is in that episode where they talk about building a house in that realm that they're in and Rumple kind of raises the dagger to just, you know, quickly do it by magic. And Belle stops him and says, you know, no, let's do it the old-fashioned way. And Rumple, without any hesitation, throws the dagger on the ground. And I just, I remember watching that episode live, and I just burst into hysterical tears. <laughs> um, <laughs> because for, you know, six and a half years, I had been back and forth with this character. He was the reason I came to once podcast he was the reason why i stayed for a really long time um and it was always hard to be rumple's girl when rumple was being such a idiot <laughs> but that moment that moment i was like there he is there's my imp Aww. and i just cried <laughs> and he turned out to be really good at building houses for some reason Yes, with his bare hands <laughs> with his bare hands he could have had and a belted. whole different business in storybrook 
Um, to speak to the end of that feedback, I remember Daniel and I doing initial reactions to the episode Heartless. And I can't remember exactly the wording, but I think Daniel started with something like, and I think I speak for everyone when I say, and him and I just pretended to burst into tears because <laughs> when they got cursed, like it was such good writing, but it was so heart something, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, cursed, <laughs> cursed hearted. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it lasted, it was, A, it was a super creative way for them to job share since they were raising their family in real life. And it worked so well for the story. Yeah. And, you know, every chance Lana Priya gets to do something a little different and be amazing at it is (laughs) just that much better. Yeah. And season six, like for me, was a really rough season. And I think one of the highlights of us picking apart our favorite moments and our least favorite moments is finding the you know, the diamonds in the rough of that. Um, yeah. Michael Michael R. shared about the musical episode being one of his favorite moments. He said, this episode completely encompasses all that is beautiful and magical about this series. And I was so thrilled they were able to give us that feeling again so late in the game. Snow and Charming at their best, the evil queen at her worst, the wedding. And Emma's incredible transformation from a lonely young woman into the savior, surrounded by people she had come to love and who loved her on her wedding day, was a perfect way to end her story. Not to mention the music was so much fun. Yeah, that episode was kind of a masterpiece and yes. a gift. Yeah. It, it's amazing because it sort of encapsulates the story. So if you just miss Once Upon a Time and want to go sort of revisit everybody and everything, just go watch that yep. or listen to the songs in your car or whatever. And when they hired the guys that composed those songs, they hired the musical nerds. Like <laughs> yeah. listen, reading or listening to the interviews of how they went about it, it's really amazing. I believe those were in the special features from season six. Oh, I'll have to check those out. I will share now that was definitely in my top five favorite, favorite episodes slash moments. And from that episode, there was a line that Henry said, he just said, she's not alone. She never was. And I really loved that line when Emma realized that she had had this love in her family, in her heart the whole time her whole life. And I think that's what every like abandoned child wants to know Mm -hmm. and wants to feel like, Oh, I was abandoned for a reason, but it wasn't because they didn't love me. Like, yeah, it was just beautiful. And then (laughs) on a funnier note, when charming starts singing for the first time, (laughs) (laughs) when he just like bursted, that was amazing. Like that was my like second favorite of all time. Josh (laughs) Dallas scene. (laughs) That episode is probably one of the biggest shocks for me, because when they announced that they were going to do it, I could not help but roll my eyes. Right. They had been hounded for years about, are you ever going to do a musical? And the answer was always no. And no, that we don't know. We're not musical writers. And then stuff started coming out about it. And I remember watching the promo and having to talk about it in the spoiler podcast with Hunter. And we were both cringing at some of the things that were happening in the promo and then in the days leading up to the actual episode, 
they released every single song and everybody basically fell head over heels in love with everything that was happening. <laughs> I couldn't believe how good it was. Um, I love Snow and Charming's song and Emma's stand against the Black Fairy and her theme that she sings was so good. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like it was also a moment of whole cast character development or story character development, if that's a thing, as they we finally see them come to this point where, yeah, all this bad stuff keeps happening, but they finally get that they're going to win regardless. Yeah. Great series finale, for sure. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about the wrapping up of the original characters' story arcs, I sometimes, if I'm being honest, forget about the final battle. <laughs> I just think about this. I think about the wedding and the end of it. And it's almost like whatever happens after the wedding doesn't matter because yeah. they'll win. <laughs> right. Michael R. sent in some of his favorite moments. And he said, Rumble and Belle's love story as told in the flashbacks throughout Skin Deep. This will forever be my favorite episode of the show. Robert Carlyle and Emily DeRaven, as well as Jane Espenson, gave these two characters so much depth and so many beautiful and complex layers that they became the most intriguing and dynamic relationship the show ever explored to me. And yes, that is my very, very favorite episode of the entire series. It... It beats out Manhattan by just a little bit. I mean, that episode is the reason I decided to join the fandom. I had been kind of watching from a, a, you know, a distance. It was only 11 episodes. You know, that's episode 12. But I had kind of been watching from a distance. And this episode aired. And I was just like, I will dedicate my life to this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember just going to Google and like typing in once upon a time theories, because that's kind of what I wanted to talk about was theories. And once podcast was the first thing that popped up and the forums had just opened. So I instantly clicked ah. join. And that's that's the story of Rumpel's Girl. That's how I came to the, the forums. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Tiernan also sent in some of his favorite scenes. And of course, a lot of these things that we're reading are excerpts again. So some of them, if there was a favorite or a least favorite, there was a lot more and we love it and we read all of it. But <laughs> it, as as you can tell by this point, for the sake of time, we are <laughs> compressing things a little bit. Tiernan writes, my number one scene of all of Once Upon a Time is the only scene which caused me to cry uncontrollably. This is when Belle forced Rumpel over the town line with the dagger. Seeing Belle finally give up on Rumpel is heart-wrenching, but the nail in the coffin was when he falls to his knees on the other side of the town line, unable to walk or see Belle again. Thank you so much for this amazing podcast. I started listening since season four, and it has made the show so much more enjoyable. I've been meaning to send in feedback since then, but I haven't. Erin mentioned that when watching the series finale, she thought... Jeremy won't like that. <laughs> I realized I actually do the same thing when I'm watching. <laughs> Wouldn't watch the show without this podcast, baby. Love y'all. Well, thank you, Tierney. <laughs> it's fantastic to know I'm the negative voice in people's heads. <laughs> well, <laughs> not <every> negative. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yes, I no, I appreciate that. It's, it's been so fun having everybody come alongside me for moral support when Squid Ink is mentioned. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just, I wouldn't, I couldn't have made it without everybody's <laughs> caring words when I, I need some 
squid ink therapy or something. <laughs> so wait, do I have a thing like that? Like, so Jacqueline's, <laughs> Jacqueline's is like when Rumbell has drama, we are all like, you okay, Jacqueline? You're doing okay? <laughs> and yours is like, you have these like very specific things you don't like, like Wish Realm, Squid Ink, Burning Red Room. Do I have a thing like that? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Now I'm trying to think of like <laughs> what my I, thing is. <laughs> I think when I realize that a plot is going to touch on larger social issues, I I start to think this is going to be great. What is Aaron's take on this going to be? Oh, I think anytime nice. it it's clear that they're referencing or could reference Buffy or Charmed. <laughs> I'm like, Which I don't Aaron's know until after the up. fact. <laughs> that is true. We got the most feedback about those references. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure that I <laughs> am a human and not this like just neutral, unbiased voice. <laughs> but that's good. I love Buffy and Charmed, and I think that I have a lot of opinions about social issues. So I'll go with that. <laughs> And apparently I also rant and say that um, everyone was going to have only favorite moments in season one and two. <laughs> so when Lindsay sent in her feedback, she said, this is such an unpopular opinion. <laughs> but my favorite scene of all time is was actually in season five. It was the episode Dreamcatcher 505 when Emma held the Dreamcatcher to her chest and started crying because it reminded her of Neil. Thank you guys for the podcast. Even though I love Emma and Neil, I don't remember that episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's my maybe the only episode I actually enjoyed in season 5A because season 5A to me doesn't exist. I just, oh, it's like the season I refuse to talk about. But I do remember that moment. I remember that episode. There were (laughs) a lot of uh, swan fire feels in that episode that my friends had to deal with as I like unloaded on them later. Um, But yeah, Lindsay, I I agree. Good moment. I did enjoy the recurring theme of the Dreamcatcher. Uh, we also got feedback from Gareth, who listed several of his favorite moments, including creative backstories. I loved how they explained the genie of the lamp becoming the magic mirror, and in Red Handed, when so many stories collided, like Peter and the Wolf, Three Little Pigs, Red Riding Hood, and we discovered that Red is actually the wolf. He also enjoyed sacrifice. Some of my favorite moments are when characters make a sacrifice either for one specific person or for the greater good. Like in 222, I love how Regina is willing to sacrifice herself to deal with the failsafe. And then Emma comes back to join with her to stop it. And it makes that moment even better. Another great example is in 311 going home when Regina gives up Henry in order to stop Pan's curse, and then she gives Emma and Henry happy memories. He also really liked Snow and Regina, like in the episode Unforgiven, when Snow and Regina stand under the umbrella and Snow risks sharing her secret with Regina. This is an example of many great moments between them later in the series, which show the development of their characters. And finally, he also liked the villain arc endings, like Ingrid's, which he thought was the best. Her ending was both sad and happy, call it bittersweet. At the end, she got what she wanted, plus the music was fantastic. The music always stands out when I think about that scene. Yeah. (laughs) It was almost too fantastic. 
it was like a departure from a lot of the way the other parts of the soundtrack of the show were written, but it fit somehow and it was beautiful, but it's weird how it, maybe it's because of the vocals. Yeah. There were not often vocals, which is right. There were also vocals in the Will and Anastasia theme I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. which is probably why it stood out at the time. And then continues to stand out just because it's great. So yeah, yeah, vocals were not often used. And I agree about Snow and Regina. That was one of the biggest, one of the biggest kind of character developments was those two, those two kids. I'm trying to remember that scene. I don't the remember umbrella. the scene specifically, um, but just the character development between the two of them. Like Snow was the whole reason yeah. Regina cast the curse. And then yeah. in the finale, Snow is crowning Regina the good queen. Like, it's just... Yeah. Weird. Oh, that is... Th- so, yeah, two or three of my favorite moments are the- those two. And we have feedback from DeAndre, another one of our longtime faithful feedback writers. He's got a list of several episodes, potentially, it appears, in chronological order. he did just figure out the whole timeline so it wouldn't surprise me oh it's all figured out huh hmm well we'll have to look (laughs) into this further (laughs) so season one episode two the thing you love most after regina tricks emma in calling what henry believes to be true to be crazy emma tells regina that she has no soul that's a favorite moment that's awesome (laughs) 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 season three episode six ariel when ursula threatens regina after she pretends to be her (laughs) okay i'm I'm, i think uh deandre's theme seems to be some some sass (laughs) (laughs) good breeding season four episode 22 Operation Mongoose Part 2, when David kills Hook. (laughs) Keep going, it gets better. Season 5, this one came in kind of on the late side, I haven't read this yet. Season 5, Episode 11, Swan Song, when Emma kills Hook. (laughs) Season 6, Episode 14, Page 23, when Cupid's arrow lands in Regina's wardrobe after she enchants it to find the person she hates the most and she's staring at her reflection. Mmm. Yeah. <laughs> Season 6, episode 16, Mother's Little Helper, when Blackbeard threatens Hook's life. <laughs> and season 7, episode 2, A Pirate's Life, when we find out that Hook in H-Town is actually Nook. That one wasn't mean at all. Uh, least favorite. Season 5, episode 21, Last Rite. Hook comes back right after Robin's funeral. Mmm. That was I just, a long I'm just point. curious. Do you dislike the character of Hook? <laughs> At first, I wanted to rip out his throat. <laughs> but Actually, I didn't. Jeremy, yeah, you really didn't like him. I remember your, I remember Queen of Hearts, which is one of my faves, probably my favorite episode. It's listed as my favorite, allegedly. You really did not like Hook no. back then. You, like, did not, you had not nice things to say about him. I know, but now I know that's wrong. 
(laughs) (laughs) Because people can change. Yeah. It took him a long time to be... Well, it took him kind of a long-ish time to really change, but it also took them a long time to properly acknowledge that he had had to change. It was almost, for me, like they flipped him from villain to hero with no acknowledgement that he had ever been a villain, and I was just mad about it. And then finally, they had some really awkward moments, like him kind of being like, hey, Belle, sorry, I tried to kill you that time. Um, we good, but <laughs> at least just even saying it was helpful for my healing. I still think in the end, I might like Nook better than Hook somehow, which is strange, but... No, I also like Nook better than Hook. <laughs> I I will never be on that train. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> it's just not something I can do. <laughs> well, there was the great story with Neil, and then Hook was the usurper. <laughs> but i got used to it you can tweet me your angry feedback about not liking hook <laughs> at punk dash, uh, yeah no <laughs> i'm washing my hands of that whole affair as soon as this podcast is over <laughs> i have given people permission to tweet hate to me via so, <laughs> so many times and it's never been done so Aww. that's true people must agree with us or they want to be nice, at least. Do you know who's really nice to us? <laughs> Who, Aaron? <laughs> Our heroes? Yes. They are really nice to us, and they don't tweet us hate. No, they and don't. And we love them. I always want to say our heroes keep us on the air, but I guess they keep us on line. Because there have been costs to all of this, and there will continue to be some, um, perhaps not as much as in the past. But for this episode, uh, we'd like to thank Lisa Slack, Lisa R., James Kinslow III, Marianne Lavati, Heather Peckfelder, Jill Sherrod, Greg Shope, and our 18 heroes on Patreon. So many of you have been so faithful for so long, so thank you, and I think... Our entire audience thanks you at this point because you've helped keep us going. And they definitely help to keep the forums running. Bless yes. <laughs> Jacqueline, there was a lot of feedback in the forums from listeners about their favorite moments and stuff as well, correct? There was. Um, you know, we all kind of came together to discuss our favorite and least favorite moments for the series um, after it ended. And some people had, I thought, some really good ones. So Golthiera said that the idea that we are both is good of good advice and that each of us is much too complex to be perfectly self-consistent. Oh, I like that. Which, yeah, I really <laughs> like that, the way he worded it. I'm a Gemini, so I really like that. <laughs> Stop said that Cora trying to steal Emma's heart and it not working at the end of season 2A is one of her favorites, as well as Emma asking Hook out on a date. Uh, She has watched that scene over and over again. (laughs) The Watcher said that the greatest thing about Once Upon a Time for her will always be their treatment of the villains, giving them backstories and personality and showing that evil isn't born, it's made. I love the ups and downs this show had when it comes to showing how it isn't always easier trying to do the right thing and that sometimes even bad people had good intentions or vice versa. And then Bibliophile said that 
Um, her favorite moments are Belle falling into Rumpel's arms while trying to pull down the drapes from Skin Deep. And then Rumpel overcoming his fears to kill his father and himself and save the town. The episode yeah. going home. Which so seems to be a, a big hit with a lot Rumpel. of people. <laughs> so nice they did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> and then also Wicked Regal uh, sent in some of her favorite moments and said that Regina ultimately blessing Henry and Emma with new memories of a better life while she's giving them up to undo the very curse that she cast. This, I believe, was the first real milestone in her redemption arc. And then Regina getting closure with both of her parents and seeing them through to heaven in season 5B is also one of her favorite moments. And then just before the finale aired, uh, Wicked Regal, who has been with the forums almost as long as I have, um, wrote a really, really beautiful letter. And I'm going to read a little bit of it because Mm. I think it kind of sums up how a lot of us feel over there at the forums. So she wrote, it's been seven years. We've all been a part of each other's lives, not just through the show, but so much more. It's been the ride of a lifetime. I don't know what will become of our forums after the last chapter airs tonight, but you guys will always be the best part about this experience. The friendships, the laughs, the crazy theories, the predictions, the fun, the jokes, and yes, even the numerous fights that Rumpel's girl and Matthew (laughs) Paul had to break up. (laughs) (laughs) we've enjoyed once upon a time when it was at its best and survived it when it was starting to become at its worst the journey of the show may end tonight but i'm happy that the bonds we formed over the last seven years will last forever thank you for seven magical years form family and thank you for forever lasting friendships which yeah that was two hours before the finale and she made me cry a lot so (laughs) that's great and then there were also some least favorite moments um that the forum sent in specifically aka jiminy's journal and bibliophile all list neil's death as their least favorite moment um our forum kind of became known as a bit of a (laughs) safe haven for neil fans after his death people could come and complain about the lack of neil and so it's not really surprising that our forums definitely list his death as the most tragic. And then both Wicked Regal and Michelle said that one of their least favorite moments was kind of just season seven overall. Um, not that it was terrible, but that because so many of our regular cast members were missing, the story didn't involve them, that for them, you know, maybe season six really was the end, and season seven is this thing that they just kind of had to contend with. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I by the end of season seven, I almost forgot, but the beginning of season seven was the most fun I've had with Once Upon a Time in a couple of years. Yeah. I think because initially there wasn't enough magical stuff happening to worry about timelines. They were kind of in this little bubble. There was nothing much to be consistent with. It was all new. They kind of had this second chance, but then, you know, later on it just went timeline explosion and, (laughs) (laughs) and continuity explosion. And just, it got really complicated and really strange. It was still fun, but, it it made up for the peaceful beginning. <laughs> so I think 7A-ish, 
I actually really loved. There's a lot about season seven that I quite like. Um, I like anything that was with Rumple or Regina mm-hmm. and Henry. I loved um, Nook and Alice, especially yeah. Alice. Yep. More Alice. Yeah. Always yeah. more Alice. <laughs> yeah. I, there were definitely things I didn't like. And it always comes back to when they try to do too much plot, like with Gothel, yep. like throwing in Jack slash Nick slash Hansel slash the candy killer. Like that, (laughs) (laughs) that was nonsense. Um, But when it's about those characters, even if they're characters that are technically brand new, like Alice and Nook, they did those guys really, really well. Yeah. And I would have gladly watched a full season seven of just those characters. Yeah. Alice very quickly didn't feel like a new character. Yeah, exactly. I think too, with her, we got moments with her and Nook that, people had been asking for between Emma and Charming for years. Like people were asking for those character moments for years and never got them because there was so much plot. And I think that they did a little bit of a better job toward the end of focusing on the relationships and the characters, Mm -hmm. or maybe just we did a better job at forgetting the plot. (laughs) 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 And we focused more on the characters, but right. Well, I think Alice, I mean, everybody's damaged in some way, right? But, like, Alice had some pretty traumatic things in her past, but her her damage was kind of almost opposite of Emma's, in a sense, where Emma just put up wall after wall after wall. Alice was just like, please, let's tear down every wall between me and every other person in existence because I love everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she was just way, way more ready. Plus, she didn't. She wasn't separated from her father for her whole life. She was separated more recently. So she had a little more openness to the father-daughter relationship than Emma did at first. And they aren't the same age exactly, which makes it less weird. <laughs> yeah. I think that feedback that letter that you shared from was it evil regal yeah i think it's really like we had asked for that as well and we have some feedback to share about just how our lives have changed since the show started and what's different for us and i think that that is a really good way to kind of shift and start sharing some of those feedback stories because you know our lives personally have changed a lot and the show impacted people in so many different ways. Um, I, I loved reading these stories. This was my favorite part of, of reading the feedback was people who shared <clears throat> these, you yeah. know, personal stories of how their lives have changed because of once or throughout this time or just uh, how the show's impacted them. So we do have somebody coming on to the podcast a little bit late to join us for this section, and here she is. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's Yay, Hunter. It's Hunter Hathaway. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> we The realm jumping is virtually complete. There's <laughs> there's the, the spoilers and the main review all united. It's like Storybrooke. It hasn't. We haven't done this in a long time. No, we no. haven't. And we are both. <laughs> My life is too crazy that I can't do anything live anymore. 
do you want to start, Hunter, and share um, how your life has okay. changed and any way the show's impacted you and then uh, share some feedback? Yeah, sure. No, my life has changed a lot <laughs> since the show started. So I started listening to the podcast right from the beginning. And I was so excited when any feedback I put in was actually, like, used in the episodes. And they would say my name. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's me. But um, then I heard Daniel (laughs) ask if um, he made a comment, something about saying they were looking for someone to do spoilers. And, hello, that's my life. (laughs) I'm always online. Nothing can be spoiled for me. So I did my little audition piece sitting in my car recording on my phone. (laughs) And that, and then he picked me. I'm like, yay! So, let's see. I've been with since season two, and since that time, personally, I've gotten married. I've moved three times, and I've had a baby. Yay! <laughs> so, my life has gone been pretty crazy since then. Among different time zones, I might add. I did from Maryland to California, and now I'm back in Florida. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, I remember one time I was podcasting on the phone because I had to be live. I was podcasting live on the phone, driving down the highway and losing signals. <laughs> <laughs> back in the old day, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think I was like going to plan my wedding or something like that, and I'm like, we were driving overnight, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't keep the phone (laughs) i can't keep service on this thing because of course whenever we needed to talk i was outside of a major city (laughs) but yeah so my this show has been my life for six years now and it's just been a little crazy i'm sorry daniel (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i'm married to a sailor i'm around sailors all the time what do you expect It kind of sounded like she cut out, so maybe she right. didn't say that. <laughs> or as I like to say, sorry, John. That's all right. I marked it. Don't worry. It won't John! be in there. John! Oh, goodness. That's fantastic. I'm overwhelmed. And this is why our spoilers have to be pre-recorded and no one can hear them. My face hurts from laughing so much today. <laughs> okay, but um, anyway, let's go on here. Uh, we did get some an awesome story from Gareth. And uh, he said, I started watching once in the summer between season one and two. I binge watched the first season and if memory, memory serves, discovered the podcast while eagerly awaiting season two. Listening to podcasts was a fairly new experience for me at the time. There were only a couple others. (laughs) Sorry, John. (laughs) (laughs) How do you expect me to get through this stuff? Come on, guys. You think this podcast just goes swimmingly, don't you? I mean, come on. You've seen our edits. I lost power in the middle of one like two weeks ago. No, the best is when you were taken over by the cyborg. And all I heard from you was beep, rah, 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 for like an hour. And 
Anyway, okay, sorry. <laughs> Compose myself. Listening to podcasts was a fairly new experience for me at the time. There were only a couple others that I had picked up. This was the first podcast I ever sent feedback to, and I was surprised and delighted when my feedback was actually included in the show. Yep, that's me too. <laughs> I really never expected it would be. Having my feedback included alongside other listeners made the podcast feel more like a community I was participating in than entertainment I was merely consuming. Participating in the podcast made watching the show more enjoyable and helped me stay engaged during some of the rough patches across the series. There was something warm and comforting in listening to the podcast. It felt like catching up with old friends, even though most of us have never met. Thank you all for many wonderful years of podcasting. Oh, you're welcome. I had fun doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto. (laughs) So can I tell you how my life has changed since this has all started? (laughs) Please do. (laughs) So I I don't know if anybody knows this, but this show was the first show that was ever a client of mine. You guys are my first client. And the reason that I was hired was because Aaron would type on the uh, keyboard so hard. That it needed to be <laughs> I wasn't typing hard. I just had a PC, okay? <laughs> it needed to be cut out, and Daniel was sick of doing it, so he was hiring somebody. <laughs> and that started my love affair with Once, that I've only seen the pilot episode for. I have never watched the show, but I know all the characters, although there was just one that I thought was a guy, and I found out it was a girl later on in the end of the show. I forget her name. But anyhow... <laughs> <laughs> this show has made me a first-class editor because I would wake up in the morning and I would go and I would look at the files and there would be five people that talked for two hours, most of the time over each other, and it all had to sound seamless. You did an awesome job. Oh, well, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. But you guys... Technically, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland was your first client because that's that's where I started. But then I moved over to the main show and uh, it's been, you guys have been like family to me. And I know I joke and it's funny because there's nothing like I see when it's coming. I can almost see, I see something because you can see it in a wave, kind of like the Matrix when they watch. I can see it coming. (laughs) And I go, oh, here comes a sorry, John. I can tell you our spoilers. If you ever listen to the raw footage, half of it is sorry, John. Well, sorry, John. The best one sorry, was John. when Bella was barking and the baby was crying, <laughs> and it never phased either one of them. They just kept going on, and I'm like, "Don't they hear that?" <laughs> And I tattled on all of you to Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's but thank you very much. You guys have been fantastic. The show has been a great show. And you have all been warriors for this show. And it really shows in the product. Aww. And I'm just glad to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you, John. Aww. Hashtag thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yes, we could not do this show without john not even a little bit no, we couldn't <laughs> <laughs> or rather we could do a show that you probably wouldn't listen to without john yes <laughs> uh, jeremy do you want to go next sure 
Ugh. There's the so. sigh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm also known for size, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, how... Life, life has changed a lot. I mean, for anybody, I suppose it changes a lot in seven years. Um, I've only moved once, Hunter, so I don't, (laughs) and it was, I mean, practically the same, not the same county, but very nearby. So I just moved a little closer to work, but I were, I've, I've had two different jobs since the show started. It was quasi self-employed when it started, um, which may be part of the reason that I thought this would be such a great idea. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very glad we did it. But things change when your schedule changes and <laughs> meeting the demands of schedules along with the demands of the podcast, especially when the show changes nights, has been interesting. Um, here, here. But I've... <laughs> but uh yeah i've had i was i was thinking back to seven years ago i have um three nieces and a nephew and two of them were not born when this show started <laughs> and family has moved in different ways and uh, yeah, grandparents have have moved on and uh, a lot of friendships have formed and it's it's odd trying to quantify seven years of your life but it's interesting the show pointed out early on that we use stories to help us make sense of our lives and i think this show in a lot of ways has helped us see over and over again that we all think we're chasing a happy ending but in this life that may not be exactly what things look like but the good things are what we find along the way and it's never going to be all good and it's never going to be good permanently but whatever bad comes we can get through it the message of hope has been central and it's it's something that everybody needs and so from that standpoint i think this show's just been very <laughs> as much as we talk about consistency and plots and things like that the characters are what have always stood out to us and a lot of the messages <laughs> despite being a bit mixed sometimes the central messages have been really encouraging at times and i'm sure that others would see that in some ways even more than I have. And we have uh, we have a letter from Michael R. And he says, Longtime listener, but first-time writer here. I started watching once the day it premiered when I was 10 years old. It was the first serialized show made for adults I had ever watched on a week-to-week basis, and it completely blew me away. I'm 17 now, getting ready to graduate high school, and once has been with me through it all. I've been listening to your podcast since season four, but I've gone back and listened to every episode from the beginning. I wanted to thank you all for devoting so much time and thought into a show that was not always easy to love, 
and say that all your effort was much appreciated. You guys have made the show immensely more enjoyable during these last few rocky seasons. Once has certainly had its ups and downs, but I'm forever grateful for all of the joy and hope it's brought me throughout these last seven years. Thank you, Michael. So life has changed, obviously, for all of us. Um, For me, I was in a completely different city, finishing up my master's degree when Once Upon a Time premiered. I used to watch it on my laptop um, <laughs> illegally because <laughs> I, I, I didn't have cable. And I can remember being in the live chat at Noodle and having to ask people, please tell me when it begins again so that – because I would pause it during commercial so I could talk to everybody. <laughs> um it's someone just said it's hard to quantify really seven years of your life, you know, like this, but I've graduated my master's. I moved Hmm. to a different city, um, had a couple different jobs. And, you know, for me, uh, once upon a time is an everyday thing. It's not something I think about just when I'm doing spoilers or joining you guys here. It's an everyday thing for me. And, Daniel used to joke that he would trip over my dirty laundry at the forums because I never left. (laughs) 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 You know, he'd pop on at like six o'clock in the morning to do maintenance and I'm sitting there editing something and and talking to someone in chat and it's like, did did you sleep? No, I'm good. It's fine. (laughs) Um, And I think for me, the biggest change are the people I've met. Um, it's it's no secret that, you know, when Neil died, it kind of really <laughs> devastated me. But there was a group of people who all came together at the forums in the Swanfire thread, and we got each other through that to the point where we started talking outside of the forums, and now – and they know who they are. And I talk to them every single day. And we have met in real life. And last summer, several of us went to Disney World together. Hmm. And they are... And you didn't tell me. I, I, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I didn't tell you and I didn't tell Matt. And you guys were both there at the same time, apparently. Um, oh, dang. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they are some of my very best friends. And I wouldn't have them... And we wouldn't have our friendship without this <laughs> crazy little show that I often complain about. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm always going to be very, very grateful for them. And we got some listener feedback from Melanie. And she says, one thing I'll always be grateful that once gave me is that it gave me something to talk about with one of my aunts. I wasn't particularly close with this aunt, but when we discovered that we both liked Once Upon a Time. It gave us something to talk about at family gatherings, and it gave me something to text to her about the show. She used to live near my work, and we went out to lunch a few times. Without Once, I'm not sure we would have developed the relationship we did. And, yeah, I completely get that, because there is a group of girls that are probably messaging me right now on Twitter asking if I'm okay. Um, (laughs) And... I, I love them very, very much. I loved that feedback. I love that you 
connected with people, like that people connected with other people that they otherwise would never have met through the show. And I sort of have that, that same experience. Like, obviously, like everyone said, a lot has changed in seven years. I've only been on the podcast for five. When the show began, I was also finishing my master's degree. I didn't even know that, Jacqueline. (laughs) Um, So I was, I was finishing my master's degree and working as a nanny and just I was in a very different place than I am now. The show also like a big part of the show for me for a few years was the Ugly Ducklings, which was Hmm. this website that another fan and I created that was kind of dedicated to the idea of the Ugly Duckling story, which was kind of Jennifer Morrison's. That's kind of what she attributed Emma to being like the ugly duckling that's trying to kind of grow into a swan. And through that, we were able to share a ton of stories of people that just had had all these struggles in their lives that were kind of waiting for that happy ending or that transformation and kind of just the message that life is what you're becoming and that you just kind of sometimes have to go through, go through the muck to find whatever the good. And, um, yeah, since I haven't moved, so maybe I'm the only one, I think, that hasn't <laughs> moved. Um, I haven't moved, but I have graduated and started like adulting, which is probably why there were so many changes to our podcasting sort of setup and schedule. Because as Jeremy says, it's a good idea when you're not working, but once you're working, you <laughs> have to balance a lot more things. Um I also have a nephew that I did not have when one started and recently a niece. And uh, I also got certified to be a yoga teacher in these seven years. (laughs) So that was probably when I was the least present for this podcast, to be totally honest. That was a very difficult balancing act, but definitely worth it to have been able to continue. (laughs) It was kind of a Dr. Seuss reference, but (laughs) remember that life's a great balancing act. Um, (laughs) So yeah, there was great. I loved these personal stories um, that we got and I was excited to hear everyone's. Um, We got feedback from Megan who says, hi there. I thought I would chime in on how once upon a time has affected my life in these past seven years. Once upon a time began when I was 11. Fun fact, Jared Gilmore is two weeks older than me. So it felt at times like I was growing up with Henry. On the episode when Henry had his first date with Violet, I had recently just gone on my first date, which is awesome. I stopped watching the show around season six, but came back for the musical episode as well as the finale. There were parts of the finale that didn't make much sense to me, but I also cried intensely when Snow and Charming and Emma made their entrances. Like you guys, I was fairly critical of the show in later seasons, but I think all it took was taking those characters away for me to realize how much I missed them. Cue Felix's line about how things we haven't thought about in years still have the ability to make us cry. And I guess that means they did something really, really right, which is not something I had thought of, but is very true. Right. Anyways, you guys, thank you for your fantastic rant fests. I always (laughs) hoped I could run into one of you and Steveson during filming so I could thank you in person for all the last realizations and squid ink. Farewell for (laughs) now, dearies. Thanks, Megan. We would have loved to run into you in Steveston or run into Steveston. I've never been. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I thought that was really interesting when I visited Steveston is none of the people that were there 
who were these humongous Once Upon a Time fans. None of them listened to the podcast. And I was well. like, all right, well, whatspodcast.com, guys. <laughs> I think some of them have started listening since, but... <laughs> That's funny. We also got feedback from DeAndre in the nick of time. And I do mean the nick of time. Mm-hmm. He knows that... Um, <laughs> <laughs> he knows that we run on once standard time as opposed to Eastern standard time. <laughs> so DeAndre wrote, this show for the past seven years has changed me tremendously. In the times I felt I was being pulled in many different directions to be something for everyone else but myself to when I was around people who could only see me for my past and not who I am today. This show helped me to find solace and healing in those areas of inadequacy, hurt, pain, and loneliness, and also sparked a new level of creativity for me. And as for the podcast, I found it when I felt really alone in my love for Once Upon a Time, and I found others who were as obsessed with the show as I was. Thank you, Daniel, Jeremy, Aaron, Jacqueline Hunter, and everyone else who has worked on the podcast and all those who work so hard on the website and forums. This has been an amazing ride. It's sad that it has to end, but all good things must come to a close. But I'm sure the story isn't ending. There will be more and the stories that have been told in these characters will live on forever. So until next time, this isn't an ending. I hate endings because the story's done and everyone here, well, their story is far from over. I refuse to believe there won't be more adventures, more love, more family. And yes, there will be more loss because that's just a part of life. And in the end, we can get past it with hope. Love you all and God bless. And the podcast right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And thank you, DeAndre. Your letters have always been amazing in their detail and passion. And you have some great theories. And we've appreciated having you and everyone who's written so faithfully be a part of the podcast. So some last bit of feedback that we got that was more of a question that I think we should talk about was from Heather T. And she says, I really love the Once podcast and the incredible work that Daniel and all the co-hosts past and present have brought to the show over the years. I am more sad about the impending end of the podcast than I am about the series ending. Having listened over the years and enjoyed getting to know the host through discussions and banter, I have often wondered how everyone came together to form the podcast team. Sorry, I'm late. (laughs) 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 Or or should I have been a little bit more happier? Like, sorry, I'm late. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, well. That's That's a different show we reviewed. (laughs) Which I do miss, by the way. Yeah. I love the songs from that show. Sorry. We just got, we just got caught doing an unsupervised podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, it's been happening for months. <laughs> you guys have been doing a great job with the podcast, really. And uh, hearing some of the unedited versions and edited versions, John's been doing a great job, too, in making you guys sound great and fantastic bloopers, which will be released at some point to all of our um, supporters. So anyone who's ever ever given money to the podcast will, uh, as long as I have an up-to-date email address, they'll receive the bloopers from that. Blooper reel. Oh, my gosh. I can just imagine... (laughs) 
Yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> There's a lot of sorry Johns in it, aren't there? There's gonna be just- some of them are doozies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I bet most of them are from me. Just. Every time there's an ice cream truck or a trash can or we all just like, oh, wait, what are we doing? One time I think I had the Blue Angels flying over me because <laughs> I live right by Miramar. And I was just like, what's that? Oh, wait, air show this weekend. One time a tornado siren went off. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> How many tries? Or oh, the Amber Alert. Do you remember that one? It was just like a couple weeks ago. Oh, the yeah. Amber Alert went off. It was so and I had like five loud. devices making noises. <laughs> So how did our podcast come to be? I want to give some little history and you guys can jump in with some of your bits of the story too. Um, Jeremy and I had watched Lost years ago, and it took me several seasons to even get interested in Lost because I hated this little thing I was introduced to in Lost called flashbacks. (laughs) I never understood that. (laughs) And I made fun of that so much in Lost. But by the time Lost was over, I began to appreciate the flashbacks a little more and appreciate the storytelling techniques and the depth of it. And Jeremy and I were listening to TV show fan podcasts about Lost. And there was some point where we thought, hey, you know, it would be cool. I'm not sure if it was his idea or it was my idea, but we thought that it could be cool to make a rewatching Lost podcast. I even registered certain relevant domains for it. (laughs) And our, our idea was it would be Jeremy and I who have already watched Lost with someone else who's watching Lost for the first time. So the first half of the discussion would be with that third or f- and maybe even a fourth person who are seeing it for the first time. And then the second half of the discussion where we, would be where we would pretty much make fun of what they said and how wrong <laughs> some of those theories were and how we could review that, you know, now that we've watched the entire series, how different things look rewatching Lost like that. But just when we were about to pull things together for that, Jeremy said to me, you know, there's this other TV show that's coming out that's by some of the same guys who worked on Lost. And I thought, okay, I'll check it out. I think it actually just started at that point. Yeah. So I watched a couple episodes on Hulu or Maybe I did it illegally, too. (laughs) I I don't remember how I acquired those episodes. But I I watched the pilot episode, and I thought, oh, yeah, this is good. This this looks like this will be a lot of fun. Let's do a podcast about this. So very quickly, uh, we pulled things together to get the podcast started, and Jeremy was the one who suggested it. And Jeremy and I have already podcasted before, and so we had this good dynamic. We knew how TV show fan podcasts can work. So it made sense that he and I would do it together. And uh, we also had a friend, Dan Flynn, who uh, was also starting to watch the show. And I remember him saying at one point to me, yeah, if you ever need some help with the podcast, like (laughs) on the blog or anything like that, let me know. Well, (laughs) I roped him in to be a co-host too, (laughs) which... At some point, he said, you know, when I offered my help, I didn't really mean being a co-host every week. (laughs) That was so funny. (laughs) And uh, then my wife, Jenny, was also uh, watching the show with me and said, oh, yeah, this looks like it'll be a lot of fun. And I remember that moment. It was kind of like a moment of betrayal. They talk about Netflix cheating, where (laughs) uh, we were recording the podcast. I wanted to launch with a few episodes already published. So I think we launched right around the time that episode six or seven, 
published or aired on TV. And uh, so we were watching an episode, we'd record a podcast, watch an episode, record a podcast like that. So we were still going through without having been spoiled. And at one point, Jenny revealed to us that oh, she had already watched the next five episodes. <laughs> just like, what? I feel so cheated on. <laughs> and, uh, but she, she brought a lot to the podcast, a lot of fun too. And uh, so it was the four of us for uh, that first year. And we even got a photo shoot that uh, if you've seen my social profile, anywhere. I use the exact same photo everywhere for every social account. That photo is from a photo shoot that the four of us did, Jeremy, Dan, Jenny, and I did uh, in the Cincinnati area. I don't think we ever used those photos because that summer, Dan said, "Ah, I'm not going to be able to keep doing the podcast. I'm kind of losing interest in the show or something like that. And (laughs) it was a rough summer too, because I wanted to keep a consistent podcast schedule through the summer. So we really stretched some things. Yep. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. So some, some co-host starts drop off. Uh, Hunter mentioned when she came on and that was a big help because I wanted to remain pure the whole time and not be spoiled. Cause I'd hear these other TV show fan podcasts where they talk about a theory but they had that theory because they were spoiled. So it's like, well, that's not a theory anymore if you know that's what's going to happen. And right. what if I don't want to be spoiled? I don't want to hear your theories based on spoilers. So that's when uh, I, I knew I wanted to have spoilers at the end, but I didn't want to be the one to do them because that just meant I'd have to be spoiled in some way and I couldn't keep up with all of that. And, and Hunter did a fantastic job. She might have been the only one to apply for the position. I think he told me it was between me and one other person. Okay. But I, you were waiting for our, our demo reels at the time. And then we, um, and then you said, Hey, you got it. And then you played that one on the air. Yeah. I think it was, you had, you had a good knack for communicating and a personality that sounded like it fit great in the podcast. All I remember is I was sitting at work, writing it out, doing research on my little teeny tiny iPhone and sitting in the car recording it. <laughs> and that is what I sent to you. And then sometime, uh, I can't remember exact timelines of th- these things, but when uh, Rumpel's girl mm. popped into the scene and Jacqueline that. was in the forums so much <laughs> and the forums were getting so active and I couldn't be a moderator of these things because I was either still working at a full-time job or I just launched into my business full-time or no, that's right. The podcast came after I'd been full-time into my business. So I was running out of time to work on the forums. And here's a little tip. If you ever are looking for a community moderator, look for the person who is the most active in the group, not a troll. (laughs) Jacqueline was not a troll in the group, but look for the person who's the most active and is not a troll. They're your next moderator. Alternate and, uh, episode title. That <laughs> Jacqueline was not a troll. <laughs> that was um, fairly early on in season two when um, you kind of put out feelers for mods and Matt and I uh, decided to take up that mantle. And then the very first podcast I ever did with you was because everybody abandoned you for episode um, 219, Lacey. And you messaged me and you said, can you come talk about this episode? 
<laughs> and uh, I did it through Skype with no microphone because I, I was still at school at the time. So it was just on my Skype and uh, computer microphone, built-in microphone. And I actually think I asked you to refer to me as Rumpel's girl because I was like, nobody yeah. else knows me except by that. <laughs> <laughs> no stalkers. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Matthew Paul stepped up too because he was also just as active in the forum. So I met with you guys on a go-to meeting call oh and God. showed you how to work with the moderation in the forums. And we were using different forum software back then too. Yeah. <laughs> and boy, we when we switched forum software, that was quite an ordeal. And, and even Doxon stepped up to volunteer to help us with that <laughs> migration a bit and a bunch of others too. Uh, John Buchanan becoming our editor um, during the Once Upon a Time in Wonderland uh, time, Jenny and I did a spinoff podcast for the spinoff TV show for a spinoff other podcast network called TV Talk. And it was a brilliant idea where these were podcasts that were about 10 to 15 minutes that were supposed to be recorded almost right after the show aired, and it would be on dozens of TV shows, and you could download them all through this one central app. The The network, I think, had some great approaches to it, uh, also some not-so-great approaches, because that network is gone now. But Jenny and I hosted the TV talk show for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and this network had hired different audio editors to produce the shows, and John Buchanan was our audio editor for that little short form podcast. And so I got some experience working with him there and sending him the audio. And he let me know certain things like, wow, you're, you're easier to work with because the way you record and these little things that you do make it so much easier to, to work on these things and such. I thought, well, that's cool. And then TV talk came to a close at some point. And I think it was during those uh, wonderland years though, or we could call them the wonder years. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be a great name for a TV show. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, the, the editing was starting to get really complicated. And I, I just didn't have the time for it. And what would end up happening with the editing is in the first half of the episode or so, I would be really tight with the editing. And there were even moments where I think I, I offended some of the co-hosts like Dan or Jeremy or Jenny or <laughs> others because we'd go on some little tangent and they'd see me reach for the mark button to <laughs> mark that. Uh, this is going to get edited out. Yeah, you had a big timer on the screen <laughs> and we had to fit our discussion within that time. <laughs> we had very uniform episodes. I forgot oh, that. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's because I, one of our <laughs> listeners, Noni, would burn our episodes. No, <laughs> she would burn them to audio CD. <laughs> and audio CDs can only hold a certain number of minutes. So I was thinking, okay, I want to make sure our episodes aren't any longer than could fit on an audio CD. Uh, and at some point, then I think I just offered to Noni, hey, how about I just split the episodes for you instead of these limits but yeah sometimes that timer would go off during a recording of the episode and we well i wouldn't freak out but dan often was the one who would react the most dan <laughs> or jeremy but uh so editing was becoming really tough and uh halfway through the episodes i would end up just kind of like yeah forget it <laughs> i'll let all of these mistakes so the second half of the episode would be like worse than the first half of our podcast <laughs> episodes because i just give up I don't know if I knew that. <laughs> and so I started looking for, could I hire an editor? Could I afford to hire an editor? 
it's taking me so much time to edit the episodes that I'm not able to do more profitable stuff in my business. So I was putting out some feelers thinking uh, maybe I could only afford to hire someone from the Philippines or something like that. This is my budget. And John Buchanan popped in and, and was like, hey, hire me. I'm in the US and I'd love to work with you. I think I even said something to him like, thanks, but I probably can't afford you. I can only afford Filipino rates maybe or something. And, and he really <laughs> wanted to learn more about editing and wanted to work with me more because I think he'd been following me through my podcast about podcasting. So uh, I hired him to do it. We worked out an agreement, uh, cost and everything. And, and it was such a huge relief to no longer be editing the episodes. Another big relief was hiring Jack to write our show notes because I wanted these really thorough show notes that would be great for search engine optimization. Because after all, that's how Jacqueline found us is through this thing called SEO and thorough show notes and forums with all of these discussions and keywords and stuff. And uh, Jeremy had written some show notes sometimes. Jenny had, I think Dan had once or twice. We had a couple other show notes writers, Winnie, I did Corbin. Too. Oh yeah, Aaron did too. Uh, and... It was just one of those things where like the episode might be finished editing, but there were no show notes. I think actually there are yeah. still some of our early episodes that still say show notes coming soon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah. Seven years later, we might actually finish those show notes. Ooh, I want to do that. <laughs> but with so, a future perspective. <laughs> so I, I tweeted out something about looking for a writer. And that's when Jack from the Philippines... I responded saying, I listen to you guys. I love once upon a time. I love to work with you guys. And uh, I, I think I did a trial with her and really liked that she wrote the show notes and the, the way I wanted them written, the format she could put in the screenshots and different things for us too. And, and her role has grown over the years too. Mm -hmm. And it was another huge relief to not have to worry about writing show notes. And she could listen live and write the show notes while we were recording. So that since John is such a miracle worker with podcast editing, you know, five minutes after we finish recording, our episode would be completely edited. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Myth in podcasting, by the way. And, uh, but then the information could all be there. So it'd be very quick and easy to publish the episodes. And uh, that, that was a lot of fun to pass that off. And so it was around that time with the Wonderland podcast that we did that Aaron came on board and we'd posted in the forums, I think maybe mentioned in the podcast, Hey, we're going to do this spinoff. Anyone interested in joining us, especially if you have a particular interest in Alice in Wonderland. And uh, Aaron had already sent in some feedback to our podcast, our comedy podcast as well. <laughs> And uh, she, she, I think she was like one of the only people we knew who had read the book. <laughs> so I was like, hey, you read the book. You're an expert. <laughs> Join us. And if I can just say, you, I believe the tweet was saying anyone who might want to be, I, I took it as involved in some way in the podcast. <laughs> I had no idea that I was going to be asked to be a co-host with you oh this is starting to become a pattern <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of amazing because you were like yeah here's a i think you sent like a questionnaire of some kind just to make sure that uh that i was aware of the network and all of that stuff but 
I was just like thinking, oh, I'll help with the show notes or feedback or something. <laughs> it was amazing. So then when Once Upon a Time in Wonderland ended and our spinoff ended there, our dynamic with Aaron, I thought was really good. So when schedules started shifting around and, and things with Once Upon a Time and our own personal schedules, I thought, well, Aaron already has a microphone because she was on with us in Wonderland podcast. So maybe she could join us for Once Upon a Time proper. I think she filled in a couple times here and there as well. And I thought this this works really well. And and so she joined us and uh, was a, a great member of the team. And then Heather Ordover, who joined us for that one season, as well as when Jacqueline was joining us, they were both, well, Jacqueline was an expert during the Greek mythology Mm. season, and that was great Mm -hmm. to have her insight into that, something she probably never expected that her insight into Greek (laughs) mythology would play a helpful role in the podcast. Did you ever expect that, Jacqueline? I, I mean, I think we always thought that Hercules might enter just because he was, you know, property of Disney, but... um. No, I never thought that I'd have to dredge up some old school notes here and there to come talk about a fairy tale show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that brought great depth and expertise because Jacqueline was like, oh, yeah, this comes from such and such mythology. And I'm just thinking, I can't even pronounce that word, let alone know its history. And wow. And uh, then Heather coming in. Heather sent us some emails and uh, was talking about, or no, actually what it was is Melanie, Melanie uh, Quinn, one of our listeners sent us an email introducing us to Heather because Heather in her podcast craft lit had been talking about Gulliver's travels and there were certain crossovers with once upon a time. And uh, she had been watching once upon a time as well. So when the, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde characters were coming in, or we knew that they would be coming, then Melanie emailed both Heather and myself and said, you know, maybe you guys might have some kind of crossover here since Heather's an expert with the Jekyll and Hyde things since she just went through the book. Again, you know, you read the book, you're an expert, apparently. (laughs) And the person who writes the book is apparently like a deity. But Heather (laughs) had this unique perspective. She was an experienced podcaster. And so we connected and at some point I, I just said, Hey, Heather, actually, I'm looking at the email right now. I said, how much of a quote expert unquote, would you say you are on Jekyll and Hyde? Have you been watching once upon a time? I tend to ask these questions like loaded questions. Without <laughs> letting people know. And Heather was already familiar with me because of my own podcast about podcasting. And she's a customer of one of the products I created. And she said, I've loved Once Upon a Time and watched it consistently with my sons up through episode 10 of the last season. Then life intervened. But I'm so excited to hear that Hyde is going to be part of Once Upon a Time. And uh, conversation went from there. And I just asked, hey, would you be interested in joining us for an episode? (laughs) And she joined us, I thought. And that was her trial. She didn't know it, but... (laughs) She joined us and did great, brought great perspective, great conversation, a good dynamic. And then I asked her, you know, would you like to be a co-host for the season? Because you've got some great insight into these things. 
And she'd even already worked with John Buchanan that he'd edited some of her stuff too. And uh, so she joined us for a season and provided some great insight too. And then through, through the history of the podcast, we've had other people come and go filling different roles, doing some guest posts on the blog, uh, some, some technical things for us. Uh, Keb doing our master or masterminding our timeline. That's, that's my thing. Earlier, you guys were talking about, oh, you know, what's Jeremy going to think about this? What's Aaron going to think? What's Jacqueline <laughs> going to think? I think my pet peeve was the timeline, but it was just starting to get so complicated that I could not maintain it all that much. And at some point I saw Keb share a Google spreadsheet she had of a timeline, or maybe she'd sent it to us as, hey, here's this little thing I'm doing. It's like, hey, you're the nerd. Hashtag hire the nerd. Yeah, would you like to do our timeline for us? And uh, we had some other help for the timeline as well, but Keb really put in so much work into that. And uh, through the years, or I could even say through the millennia, since that's what it is in the timeline. <laughs> I still have problems with that timeline up until that very last episode. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah there, there's still questions about the timeline but they will always be forever unanswered or just merged <laughs> somehow so that's how all of us came to be i don't think i left anyone out there well that's how we came, to, how be we came to be on the podcast, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and 1000 years later we're going to be doing this all over again great <laughs> oh for the once upon a time reboot <laughs> Not my once. <laughs> I love how when I started recording, I was like very timid and I was afraid of talking and interrupting. And there were all these like awkward pauses. And I was sick a lot because it was the winter. <laughs> and now Jeremy and I just jinxed the exact same line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember when Daniel sent me this mic stand that I have now had in my little <laughs> office for like, I don't know, three or four years. Um, I'm pretty sure it takes a rocket scientist to put this thing together. It does. It definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> it took me two hours and I was tweeting the entire time I was doing it, sending out photos like, is this right? And I finally had to <laughs> message him and just wait, you need to get on Skype right now and walk me through this because none of this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> And it still it, falls and stuff. It still falls. I still hit it many, many times. It's because you talk with your hands. <laughs> we actually, for a while, in uh, the first podcast studio that we had, or no, second one, uh, when I had some nicer mic stands, kind of like the, the arm mic stands, um, there was a balancing problem and the mic kept gradually shifting one way or another so some, it would gradually shift into someone's face or it would <laughs> gradually have to start leaning forward to try and stay close to the microphone and and i ended up using folded coupons for um feminine hygiene products <laughs> order. they were coupons for it not not the actual products um it worked out to balance the microphone that I, I put those in the stand. I will try to find uh, a picture of some of the podcast recording setups that I've had because 
I've I've traveled for work for so long and we podcasted rain or shine, like whether I was in a hotel room in Thunder Bay or <laughs> whatever. And I had some very interesting mic stands, like <laughs> stacked books. I don't even know, hotel pillows, <laughs> like so many different things. Sometimes I would have my computer stacked up on books so that it was at the right levels. Very creative. <laughs> <laughs> anything for the, the podcast things podcasters do <laughs> the show must go on exactly so some of us have shared as we were sharing your favorite moments we shared our favorite moments when they coincided but we also wanted to just oh, talk about whatever our highlights of the show favorite moments i've got like a most tragic death highlight in mind and <laughs> just kind of the things that we want to talk about as it pertains to the show and I did I did assert that most people's would be in season one and two I've already been proven wrong so let's just go from there Daniel what were some of your favorite moments from the show the musical I think was definitely one of my favorites yes Um, Mm -hmm. and one of those things that they could only I think properly execute years into the tv show where uh, for for me, I felt like these are characters that I love. So seeing them sing and dance was a whole lot of fun. It didn't <laughs> feel so bad. And I think it fit the show well. And it was a great way to end the show, too. Yeah. It was a great series finale. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Apparently, Jennifer Goodwin hates musicals and was so like begrudging that she had to do that. I heard that in an interview. I didn't she I seem to remember um when they were doing like a, a behind the scenes sort of featurette uh before the episode aired, like nobody was allowed to look at her when she was singing. Oh, maybe. <laughs> no, I remember you, that yeah, too. Yeah. I think we talked about it on one of our, our spoiler podcasts that um nobody was allowed to look at Jennifer Goodwin while she was singing because she was so nervous. Mm-hmm. That's how I would be Yeah, if I had to do that. Me too. (laughs) And, and you know, while I'm on the subject of series finales, the other favorite thing of mine was the first time that Once Upon a Time ended. (laughs) Back in... (laughs) Season one? (laughs) No, back in uh, season 3A at the end of that with the the Peter Pan thing. So kind of like Matthew R. and Jeremy were talking about, I thought that was a beautiful ending to Once Upon a Time, even though we all knew it wasn't going to end then. It was a beautiful ending. Yeah. And that whole story arc, too. The Peter Pan story arc, I think, still was my favorite. I liked that story arc, but I'm still a little disappointed that they kind of ruined what they were going to do in season two to make that story arc happen. Yeah, Yeah, that was actually on my least favorites list. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no payoff for season two (laughs) and what we thought was going to happen. Jeremy, what was one of your favorite things? My, a lot of my favorites tended, I may have said before, tended to be Snow and Regina scenes. So in Apple Red is Blood, when we see the Once Upon a Time version of what's really an iconic moment of the Evil Queen getting Snow to eat the apple, but Snow did it knowing what she was doing and their dynamic and the framing of the scene and everything was just 
wonderful. And then I don't even know if I would say parallel, but similarly, uh, when Snow in Storybrooke asked Regina to take her heart and crush it after all, the way they played that scene and sort of at some moments, both of them talking at the same time, it was just really a well done moment. I really loved their development kind of as we talked about earlier just as characters right Jacqueline my all-time favorite moment is the three-minute conversation between Neil and Rumpel in Neil's apartment in Manhattan where there's just so much raw pain and tragedy between those two characters and Neil's line try abandonment just wrecked me Hmm. um (laughs) to this day i find it you know i just like lose it whenever i watch that episode and that moment um and the dynamic between bobby carlisle and michael raymond james was just always so good and that is my very favorite moment of the entire series wow (laughs) man that's awesome i can never pick favorites like superlatives i can't do that (laughs) Manhattan was one of mine as well, the whole episode, but in a different scene. But um, the did you know who I was or I was from the whole time? Was this some sort of sick, twisted plan when Emma really realizes like that her whole life has been everything she knew kind of crumbled in that moment? Good acting, good writing, good episode. Hunter, what was one of your favorite moments? I really didn't have a favorite moment per se, but it's a bunch of different storylines or people that we didn't I feel we never got enough of so like I miss Graham I say that all the time whenever we're talking about someone coming back we're like "Ooh, is Graham kind of gone back and Merida because she's my favorite princess and I really loved her storyline and then my favorite thing I think I think that draws me to this show the most is Snow and Charming and their quote I will always find you yeah. And how no matter what, they always found each other through anything. That's one of my favorites, but one of my least favorites, just to segue into this because it fits so well, <laughs> is when Emma is on the boat going to the underworld and says to uh, Hook, I will find you. I will always find you. I was like, way to steal your parents' line, <laughs> right? That is not your line. Get a new one. <laughs> Right. No, I loved it. I love the Snow and Charming storyline with that part because true love. Yeah, it's true love. <laughs> Daniel, what was one of your least favorite moments? Uh, discovering <laughs> discovering the curse was not created by Hades during that whole underworld season. I was thinking, oh, you know, remember, I mentioned this in the podcast that, oh, it makes total sense that the underworld looks like Storybrooke because the curse was originally created by Hades to bring everyone to Hades. And that's why that's why Storybrooke actually looks like Hades, not the other way around. But that wasn't the case. That's more of a, a, fav- a least favorite that didn't happen. But a least favorite that did happen, unfortunately, many times <laughs> uh, were the filler episodes. And some of them, yeah, gave us a little bit of character backstory, and some of them were just not good episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, funny enough, some of what we considered filler episodes from, say, season one sort of became 
semi-iconic later. Dreamy. True. Yeah. Dreamy, actually, once I somehow managed to see it like four times, I I heard like um, Nova's monologue about love from the other room. And without having to see it, I like how silly and cutesy they were. I was like, that was actually really good. <laughs> but I was thinking of True North. Because I felt like that was a filler episode at the time simply because Hansel and Gretel disappeared. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that brought us Gravy or Butter and <laughs> The Blind Witch. <laughs> gravy or Butter. I said that about 19 times at dinner last night. I was like, Gravy or Butter. And then I was like, I know nobody here gets it, but still. And then again, when we were cleaning up from dinner, because I had to like put the extra gravy into a container and I was like, gravy or butter. So yeah, I mean, good up, good writing. You might be a oncer if you say lines that you know nobody else gets. And say them anyway. (laughs) I was making a list of some of my least favorite episodes. And this kind of ties in with the filler, but I was really shocked that... My least favorite episodes, my bottom three, are not what you would consider filler, I think. They're, they're not about random characters that, in the end, are just kind of one-offs. Because um, I remember deeply disliking the episode True North when it aired, and I actually quite like it now, in retrospect. <laughs> um, whereas, like, if I never, ever watch Quiet Minds or The uh, Swan Song ever again... I'm perfectly fine with that. (laughs) I don't have enough, like, this sounds terrible, but I don't have enough recollection of the specific episodes, despite watching them two or three times and doing a one to two hour long podcast about them (laughs) to, to even, yeah, to even pick a least, I have a least favorite moment, which was what I already shared, anything that was the dark one season and the time travel yep. stuff. Those were my least favorite things. But yeah, I don't have Val, well, but I'm not the nerd that we're hiring for that reason, <laughs> I guess. Jeremy, other than Squid Ink, The Burning Red Room, <laughs> we're including those if yeah. those were on your list. What were some of your well, least favorites? Yeah, Squid Ink. Is mainly, you know, what it represents. Nobody is surprised to hear that I don't like retroactive continuity or lack of continuity, period. Retcon. Sometimes retcon would be a relief, like try, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and a lot of it is just echoed with other people. Time travel, I didn't like changing the season one history that we loved so much. So in my mind, it's still kind of not changed. Yeah, me too. I don't think of that as different. Uh, yeah, and and the underworld arc, but even very specifically, when I think back about the underworld storyline, bringing Hook back when they didn't bring back others who I would have considered, <laughs> if you can consider someone this more worthy, uh, and the way they handled Neil in that season and Mila's end, which was completely just hopeless and unresolved, much like what they then did to robin in that same season and all the all the sort of souls being destroyed and that kind of thing and then of course the the ultimate betrayal ending the dark one story and then saying just kidding (laughs) 
<laughs> because a vial of magic was at hand. So that that whole thing, that's probably the low, low, low point for me. <laughs> I personally, I loved the Underworld stuff mainly because of Greg German, who played Hades, was so much fun to watch. And True. I really enjoyed his relationship with Zelina, which, I, I mean, for me, that's really shocking because Zelina is one of my least favorite characters. Um, but they – and they did this, I think, in more than just season 5B. It, it wasn't localized to just this one, where they would set up all of this story and then just cut it off of it at its knees and have some magical MacGuffin that just comes in – Saves the day because they're like, oh, shoot, we have to set up the next season by introducing these new characters, this new realm, something that's going to get us to the next year. And yeah. like for the Olympic glowing rock to suddenly come out of nowhere um, for Zeus to just appear and be like, oh, P.S., I can totally bring you back. No worries. Um <laughs> So, yeah, the ending of the Underworld arc deeply bothered me, especially with Robin's death and just kind of the hopelessness that it represented. Um, but I love Greg German. He was one of my favorite guest actors. <laughs> it was for for all its problems. And and really, I guess the Dark One thing was actually preceding that it it was actually surprisingly watchable considering what i was expecting <laughs> yeah and one of my very favorite moments comes from that season and it's the neil and emma meeting in the bug at the very very top of um oh yeah the 100th episode the fact that the, ep the episode opens with that and it's it's clear that you know for me that she'll always love him um he'll always be a big part of her life and you know I would have brought you back if I knew I could do this. And uh, that that moment, like Michael Raymond James to me got, got shorthanded with his death. It wasn't a good way to go out. It wasn't, you know, good work for him. But that moment, that showcased to me just how, how powerful that story was. And I really loved it. Yeah. Even in the <clears throat> wish realm, he only got to be a painter. <laughs> this is true. Hunter, what are some of your least favorite moments so listening to you guys i keep remembering oh yeah that happened <laughs> um right because i'm like wow i forgot a lot of stuff but i think one of the things that not really annoyed me but bothered me throughout the entire show is that rumble was connected to everyone and they made it just like the littlest thing and it was just like well, how do we make this fit? Oh, he met them at this point at this time type thing. And let's show a flashback of it. Like, to me, I was just like, and how does this person fit in? Oh, they're related to Rumple. Like, to me, it just seemed like, I don't know, that just annoyed me a lot. Oh, that's funny. I remember we had some early theories that Rumple Siltskin was the thread that was marring all the stories we knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But... I mean, like I said, I can't really, off the top of my head, I can't think of one thing I hated the most, or I not really hated, but disliked the most. But that was just one of the things that has bugged me since episode one. <laughs> that's funny. One of the things that's bugged me throughout <laughs> many of the seasons is the 
merely misunderstood villains. <laughs> no, we're, they're, they're so evil. And at the end of their story arc, you discover that, oh, no, they just wanted love. Or they just wanted a sister. They just wanted a daughter. They just, you know, one of those things. It's like, oh, it's all, all, it's all okay now because they just wanted to be loved. There are very few times that Once Upon a Time could ever truly surprise me um, because I, you know, obviously live and breathe the spoilers. <laughs> but what you just said brings up one time they genuinely shocked me. And that was the reveal that Cruella was basically a sociopath. And that it it right. wasn't that she wanted love or a mother or a daughter or anything else that they often put on these these uh, villains it was that she was just straight up crazy just desperation and gin <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was so refreshing to finally have a villain who yeah was pretty much just born evil <laughs> or how about that they start a story and then they never finish it yes <laughs> until the very last episode in the last five seconds of the show like Henry being (laughs) Rumpel's undoing. Yeah, Lily as well. And the dragon. We finally learned who the dragon was. It's like, how many answers can we stuff into the the series finale? (laughs) Yes. Because they knew that they'd be hearing about it for years to come going, so whatever happened with the dragon? It was one of the most passive, aggressive writing moves I have ever witnessed. (laughs) When just they just casually drop into conversation, oh, Zoro was Lily's father. After years of Hunter and I having to deal with that question in hot seats. Like, yes. Like, oh. Do you guys know about what hot seats are? No. I guess not. Okay, so what it would be is like, usually it was by EW, Entertainment Weekly. They would sit down with Adam and Eddie and they would ask them these questions. And we would get a maybe as the answer or no. I don't think so. That's a good idea. Like, they won't come out and actually say an answer. I would be very disappointed if we did not learn the answer to that question. (laughs) We would get so annoyed with them. That's basically why I think why they stopped doing the official Once Upon a Time podcast. Probably. (laughs) Because that's what um, Estelle Estelle McGecky, I I forget her last name, but uh, Estelle would ask these great questions and get horrible answers back like that (laughs) episode after episode after. But that's what they do. That that yeah. th- we've been doing that since season two. We've been getting those horrible answers on everything. But why are they Is gonna someone do? going to die? Are, are, Maybe are they going to say, "Oh yeah, it's going to be this and this and this"? And well, now you don't have to watch the show anymore. I mean, I <laughs> oh understand. no, no. I mean, I never expected them to come out and fully give you know the answers to their long season plot away. Um, but you read enough of those things where. There's, and don't get me wrong, this isn't bashing Adam and Eddie, um, but there's clearly like a line of passive aggressiveness where they do not want to have to answer this one particular question anymore because they straight up don't know. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys ever heard about it, but uh, they were going to do this standalone episode where they answered all the questions you ever had, like about Will and Anastasia. Because if you remember, Will came to Once Upon a Time proper, and apparently Anastasia either died or is missing, and we still don't know. Um, They were going to answer about Lily and her father, all these things. They were going to compact them into one episode and just throw the answers at you. 
I have one last crackpot theory, you oh, guys. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> the Will Scarlet that came to Oh, I know where Storybrooke you're going with this. Was Wish Realm Scarlet. Oh. Except he came <laughs> or before the Wish Realm was Will, created. if you will. <laughs> but don't forget that, that whatever generation of curse right. it was took people back in time. Yeah. So maybe he... It was created with history. Yeah, and, and this was all during the same time as I think the Cloverfield experiment might have been going on. What? And so the paradox. Listen, no spoilers. I haven't seen that. So the will of season four was actually Wish Realm will and Wish Realm Anastasia. So our will yes. and Anastasia are totes living perfectly happy. That's yeah, and Forgotten Character sh- Island. <laughs> you know what Makes i accept sense. it i accept it if it means that i don't have to try and rationalize where anastasia is absolutely <laughs> so the spinoff 1.0 was one of my favorite moments of the show being wonderland being how i came to be on this podcast and i just well i think mostly it's the podcast connection that makes it my favorite but there were some good moments well, and you know what? That show never felt like, I don't remember it feeling like they were making it up as they went. Yeah. No. Because they had a tight story they wanted for a 13 episode run and they told it and it was over. I rewatched some of the scenes from that show last night while I was doing podcast prep. <laughs> and it was like, I rewatched the one near the end where it's like this Will and Anastasia moment that I'm not going to spoil because I do think that there are people listening who have not watched that series. But yeah. And they need to. Yeah, they need to. It was amazing. I believe it's on the ABC app right now. Oh. <laughs> but it was just heart-wrenching. And then Will and his little line, my heart's caused me enough suffering. Nobody needs to die because of it, not even you. He didn't say it like that. I said it like that, but... <laughs> 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 and just that Wonderland theme, the nothing is impossible in Wonderland. And the Jabberwocky. Oh, jabber, 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 jabber. I, <laughs> I deeply regret that they never found a way to bring the Jabberwocky over to Once Upon a Time proper. Because Me she too. was incredible. <laughs> I I think I still dropped a line from her last week in the podcast. Like, <laughs> such a good show. Daniel, what's another one of your favorites? <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to say that, so I was like mouthing it along with you. <laughs> yeah, Cora, I, I think every time I saw her, especially when she showed up in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, like... A part of me cheered because here was a a pure villain and uh, a villain that was made, not born a, a psychopath, sociopath, a psychotic, whatever. Uh, and she was connected to so many different things like Rumpel and seeing her in these different episodes definitely among the highlights when I saw in the finale, when I saw Peter Pan there, I was started getting excited thinking, are we going to see Cora too? Cora, 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 Cora. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you listened to the podcast when we talked about Cora. It was one of our unsupervised podcasts. And I made sure that I said, Cora. 
<laughs> Cora actually appeared in my very favorite scene of the show, if we're talking in superlatives, which was Queen of Hearts. And this was mentioned earlier because somebody else wrote this was their favorite. But when she tried to pull out Emma's heart and then Emma did the Care Bear stare, and I believe I've highlighted this as my favorite moment probably for the last five years since it probably aired about five years ago. And mm. her, oh, you foolish girl, don't you know? Love is weakness. And then five, four, three, two, one, stare. <laughs> <laughs> that that was one of the scenes that I watched over and over and over again. And just my favorite character was Emma and Cora was great. She was probably my favorite villain if you're... And that whole moment where she threw her staff into the ground and instead of parting the Red Sea, <laughs> she instead made that dome to protect them during the first curse. That was really cool to see the curse from that perspective. One of my yes. favorite scenes. I'm going to throw a couple of my favorites out there at the same time because I have way too many. <laughs> One of the ones I've remembered, even as we've been talking, was I, I can't remember at this exact moment, which episode it was. It was one of the first in season one. It might have even been episode three. Except after first one or two episodes, um, there was the episode that kind of explained a little bit more about Snow. And we saw some of her banditry and things that she did. Was it Snowfalls? But Snowfalls then, episode 103. Yeah. I was, I was going to say Snowfalls. But I couldn't remember if that was that one or a later one. Seems to me we saw her story. Then we later saw some things from Charming's perspective. Then at the end of the Charming story, it cuts to we see snow in the tree. And we already know what she's going to yeah. do because we had already seen that whole story. And that was part of what I loved about the show early on, how everything was very clearly planned out ahead because they could weave things together that way in a way they could only do if they actually <laughs> had that plan. And the other is, interestingly enough, another long conversation in Neil's apartment, <laughs> which was Regina talking to Emma. And I remember talking about that at the time. They slowed down. And they, they spent far longer on actual character development than they normally stopped to do. And Regina talked about bearing the weight of the evil queen and about how she had changed. And that was something that just stood out for a long time. Regina's entire story is probably one of my favorites. Backing off of what Jeremy just said. <laughs> Way to knock it down to a, a little thing. Right. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, pick something smaller, right? But um, I also just, I think back over the past seven years and when the show first started and I was at the forums for the very first time, basically ranting about how Regina was the the true evil of the show how this series would end with them having to defeat her because she was the most monstrous of them all um you know while while defending my beautiful beautiful Rumpelstiltskin mind you and the fact that at the end of all this I can say that her story was the biggest success that she is the most changed that in so many ways once upon a time is actually her story it's just so shocking to me that they managed to bring her so far. Yeah. Or she got exactly what she wanted. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they're, they were pretty good at 
redemption stories, which are great, yeah. but hers was by far the best. Definitely. Hunter, do you have another favorite? Well, it, it's been mentioned quite a few times, but I really did like the musical episode. Yeah. And I know it's been, it's not my, it's not my top favorite, but I really did enjoy it. I loved hearing Colin sing because he has an amazing <laughs> voice. Um, but yeah, so that's on my list. One of the ones that hasn't been mentioned, I don't think yet, but it's probably on everybody's list, is when Emma breaks the curse by kissing Henry. Yeah. True. Good old season one. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I introduced my mom to the show, I decided that she had to watch the show um, right before season three began. So we binged watched the first two seasons. And when we got to the end of season one... You know, Henry flatlines and they're taking his equipment off of him. And my mom just starts crying and goes, well, he's not dead, is he? <laughs> you can't end You can't end this season that way. You can't kill the kid. And then, um, you know, Emma kisses him and brings him back to life. And that was, I think, my mom's favorite moment. And she kind of waffled on the show after that. But uh, that one is just so classic. I love the fight that she had with Regina during that episode as well (laughs) it's true isn't it so good that whole moment was so shocking at the time emma believed yeah Yeah. well because there had been so much lead up like i think the episodes directly before that had been some of my favorites at the time before we had so many things to choose from like i loved the stranger and i loved hat trick yeah. And I loved the banter between Jefferson and Emma of him just trying to get her to believe. And then August and Emma, him trying to get her to believe. And she just didn't want to believe because she didn't want to be the savior. And I think that that yeah. was a big moment for her character development as well. I forgot a really important favorite that some people are going to hate me for. <laughs> Graham's <death>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look at my notes? Don't talk about it. That's under most tragic death. (laughs) Oh, well, I suppose it was both. You know, they are both. Uh, I remember, though, there had been, believe it or not, a lot of question as to whether Regina was even awake, for sure. We knew we were supposed to think that she was, but we weren't positive that she actually was. And so all in one big epic scene, she gets mad. She reveals her vault. She reveals the heart and she crushes it and uses magic and kills Graham. And it was just, and it was for a brand new show that you weren't sure if they were going to be bold, which they were not really that bold with killing main characters to after such a short run, kill someone who was central to the show up to that point was really incredible. And then there was what a six week gap before the next episode. And we knew yeah. it. And it was just like, I remember cause we were just, I think that was, I'm trying to remember that might've been, we played catch up with the podcast at first. Yeah. And that might've been the first episode that we got to watch when it aired because we had finally recorded all the podcasts up to that point, And we were all l- sort of literally freaking out. I'm pretty sure the beginning of that episode is really funny to listen to. <laughs> so it has to be a favorite as tragic as it was. <laughs> yes. I have it under most tragic death rather than favorite death. <laughs> but 
Well, and I think <laughs> um, I actually searched for a gif of that when I sent out my tweet last night that was Emma crying. I was looking for that oh. gif of Emma crying because that was like the oh. best one. And I know, like, I know you guys, you couldn't even say his name on the podcast forever. True. Still now, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> kind of. A little bit. Maybe. <laughs> Daniel, do you have any more favorites? The final battle. Not... Which one? That it, not, not the actual final battle. But that it happened. I remember when the author was there saying, oh, it's the last page. It's the final battle. That was one of those moments when I think I cheered at that because it's like, yes, finally, we're finally (laughs) going to get the final battle. The thing that I've been expecting since the very first or second episode of Once Upon a Time and to finally have it was great. Although it was a bit of a letdown, but it happened I was happy about that. Final battle was to season six what beignets were to season seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. At least in terms of dialogue. I just remember when I first started listening to the podcast, you guys talked about whether you were going to hold the pilot to that. (laughs) And then that kind of became a theme. And then finally we got it. Well, Rumpel's speech in the pilot is so epic when he talks about the final battle. How could they not have one? Right. Be silly. Although it wasn't the final battle because then we had a whole other season, but <laughs> once upon a time superlatives. <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually have the spin off two point aka season seven as one of my favorites, mostly because there was some really good acting and there was some really good writing. And although it was kind of like what did you guys call it? The epilogue. There were so, still some really good moments and I feel bad that we probably other than this weren't really going to mention it <laughs> um but i loved like I, we did mention it we talked about alice and nook and those storylines but i loved alice's speech to gothel right, right before she gave her the magical smackdown mm-hmm. and <laughs> snow and charming's i pretty much loved everything about, about alice like every line she ever said yeah yeah well no like her character like Everything. Yeah. I don't know. It's just on my notes. It says loved Tilly. Yeah. So. And then, of course, Snow and Charming's entrance and Baby Hope. Yeah. I think my favorites list wouldn't be complete without the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much in a, a similar way, maybe more so in Lost in some ways. They used to say in Lost that the soundtrack was a character. And a lot of the way time in once upon a time it was that way too that music is just probably gonna be with me for the rest of my life in a lot of ways yeah the motif of rumple um smashing up the dark one's castle that music that is playing mm-hmm. when he's just you know nobody could ever love me and just smashing up his castle and oh, you're flashing yeah. back to storybrooke and he's beating up mo oh that to me is the best musical moment in in once like mark isham just completely outdid himself there it's so beautiful and heartbreaking yeah hunter do you have more to say no okay (laughs) i'll mark mark you complete (laughs) whoa (laughs) and that is how we came to be (laughs) 
<laughs> That's how we came to an end. <laughs> Jeremy, what's another least favorite? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> or a few. Oh, or only one. <laughs> um, yeah. I consider killing Balefire to be kind of a least favorite. <laughs> it was just, if not the killing, the way it was done. It was so strange. Yeah. I believe Jacqueline has a comment on that. <laughs> I think we're all waiting for me to talk now, right? Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so I I wrote this at the forums, and I'm kind of just going to read a little bit about what I said over there. But I will go down swearing that killing Neil was the biggest mistake the show ever made. It's not a secret that I'm a hardcore Swanfire shipper, but in the end, this isn't even about relationships and who Emma would end up with. Because if the writers chose to go with the Captain Swan route, then so be it. Honestly, I would, I'd live with it, whatever. But killing Neil and then acting as if he didn't exist, which is what happened a lot of the time, and as if his loss wouldn't complicate the world, the characters, and the interactions between those characters, to me, was just always utter nonsense. Um, every time Rumpel did something incredibly stupid or evil, Neil should have been there. Every time Emma and Regina needed to do something that involved Henry, Neil should have been there. You can have Neil be the unifying factor between the original Hook and Rumpel, like Alice did with Nook and Rumpel, which is where I actually think they got the idea, is it's the story they wanted to do with Balefire, but Mm -hmm. couldn't. And then... In season six, the race to save adult Gideon would have been far more interesting with Neil trying to help his brother see their father in a better light. Because who better to reach out Mm. to Gideon than the boy that Rumpel literally let go of and dropped down a portal? And for me, there was. The list goes on. For me, there was always a way to keep Neil alive and involved in the story without having to ruin whatever relationship the writers decided to go with. Like, they didn't need to kill kill him in order for an endgame to occur. And it just made everything tinged a little bit darker. Um, you know, my criticisms of the show just became so more vocal once he died because he just should have been there. He was the reason for the curse. He's the reason Rumpel sent all of this in motion. If Emma's a lost girl, then he's a lost boy. Her parents are trying to find him. His mm. father is trying to find him. Like, there were so many parallels, and you didn't need a romantic relationship to see them. I would have liked one, obviously. But, yeah, killing Neil is my most tragic death and my least favorite moment. And my least mm. favorite episode. <laughs> and in an alternate ending imagination, imagine if Rumple had gone out putting his heart into neil to save his right? life giving up his power finally for neil and, someone yeah. <laughs> i think it was um hj bow over at the forum said that while the the nook and alice thing at in the series finale was really powerful just imagine if that had been like neil holding on to henry or something and rumple seeing that and i mean instantly remembering everything that had happened like it's a much more powerful image because you have these cycles of abandonment in the show and one of the big themes has always been we have to break those cycles of abandonment and so rumple would never let his own son lose his son 
So, yeah, Neil, Neil's death is going to go down as the thing that I regret the most. <laughs> you say that like you're responsible. <laughs> well, <laughs> because, it's because she didn't get that job as the nerd I mean, in the writer's room. Someday when I invent time travel, I will find a way to go back to Los Angeles and sit them down and just be like, look, there's a way we can do this. I promise. <laughs> Hashtag hire the nerd. <laughs> Jeremy, what's your last point there? I also have in my more than five list of favorites <laughs> <laughs> the show's general focus on family and community and sometimes that looks the way you expect it to in a fairy tale and sometimes maybe more often it just doesn't and there's someone missing or someone you don't expect in the mix or and sometimes they're related and sometimes they're not and they just go through all of it together with hope i think that part of season one was kind of demonstrating that like mary margaret and emma were family before they knew they were family because they had Mm -hmm. chosen to be family and that was in hat trick i think yes i was just thinking of that exact moment yeah, when Emma had left and Mary Margaret was like, I don't remember what she said, but she said something so profound. <laughs> um, um, I, I think, was going to quote a different episode. But yeah, I think you're thinking of the moment in Hat Trick when she saves Mary Margaret from Jefferson and Emma says, I cannot lose that. I cannot lose my family. Yeah. And Mary Margaret looks at her and goes, your family? And Emma instantly corrects herself and goes, friends, whatever. But you know that in that moment, Emma absolutely (laughs) meant family. Yeah. It was the closest thing to family she had ever had. Yeah. It was great. Jacqueline, what are your last sort of least favorite moments on your list? Some of them I think other people have touched on. So the retcons or... uh, continuity they got shuffled around because it fit the story currently being told better um i've said before that season 5a is my very least favorite and i hated all the twists in the dark one mythology um like suddenly having two dark ones that just mm -mm, nope i was not about that (laughs) and then since you brought up earlier one of your favorites was um the spinoff once upon a time in wonderland One of my least favorites was when they attempted to bring Jafar, played by a totally different actor, but still the same character, over into the main show and then just completely underutilized him. And he was so boring and (laughs) devoid of life, whereas he was one of the highlights in the spinoff. And I really, as much as it pains me to say it, because I love Karen David and I adored her in Gallivant, the... uh, Aladdin and Jasmine storylines were just not good. Yeah, they were a little pointless, I think. It was like one of those things where they brought them in, like Michael Saka bringing in the Knave of Hearts slash Will Scarlet. Like, there didn't seem to be a lot of foresight into that. Yeah. I have one favorite to close us out. Actually, it's kind of a, a collection of favorites. I loved it every time we got to see farther back in history to well until we discovered 
too far back in history. Like, too far, right. too far, too far. <laughs> <laughs> but like getting to see Rumpel and how he became the Dark One. And then later it was getting to see a Dark One before that. Or getting to see Peter Pan, rather, rather how he came to be. Mm-hmm. And then getting to see Dark Ones before that. Getting to meet Merlin and how magic came to that realm. And going farther and farther back like that. That was so cool to me to stretch mm-hmm. the timeline and see more of that backstory, not just character development, but plot development. How did this plot even come to be? I, I really liked those moments. Or even seeing the beginning of Storybrooke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Welcome to Storybrooke. Seeing that mm-hmm. pop into existence. And seeing Graham again. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Back before he died. <laughs> Jeremy Laughlin. <laughs> or Laughlin. <laughs> nope. Well, this has been a wonderful ride. These seven years that we've been podcasting. And if our discussion hasn't made you cry yet, get ready. I want to thank. Every hero who's ever contributed financially to the podcast, and I believe this is a complete list, and the the support we've received over the years, the feedback, and and the the financial support. I mean, some people like Lisa Slack. You've heard her in almost every single episode of the podcast. She's contributed a lot to a free podcast about a free TV show. Sometimes I even wonder, does she know she's still contributing money to the podcast? But I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars that she's given us. So huge thanks to Lisa Slack. And here is our complete list of heroes. Amy Cattalier, Amanda Rubar, Ann and Michael Mason, Anna Marie Rivera, Simon, Anthony Gonzalez, Arjun, Ashley Reed, Blue Rose, Bobby Polisek, Bridget J, Bryant Ban, Callie Foster, Chris Tipton, Chris Zeiger, Christina Haley, also known as Fire and Ice, Cindy Barrick, David Newland, David Williams, Deb Blissick, DG, Diana, DJ Firewolf, Aaron J and Marie, remember them, the Ugly Duglings? <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Nunnally, Aaron O, Genevieve Miller, George Farrow, Greg Shope, Holly Brown, James Kinslow III, Jamie Moran, Jed Anderson, Jeannie Root, Jennifer Treese, Jessica Abel, Jessica Olson, Jessica Retzlaff, Jill, Julia Portella, Justin Peterson, Kelsey Hunt, Kristen Schmidt, Kyra Hawkins, Laura Silva, Lori Hancock, Lori Ann, Lisa Rutledge, Lisa Slack, Melkor, Mark Stapleton, Marianne Lavati, Matthew Rimmer, Melanie, Neil from Western Kentucky, Paul Dickinson, Peter Pan in the Windy Bird, Reba Sita, Rose Marie Mason, Samantha, Sarah Pitzer, Sheila Clifton, also known as Sacric, Sheriff Graham, Inzi, Steph Witz, Swan Got Hooked, Sweets, Talia Roth, Tammy, Tappenbird, and Timothy Peters. Thank you 
so much for your support. It's it's been amazing the the financial support we've received and and thank you to the hundreds of people who sent us feedback over these seven years. And I wish yeah. I could name everyone, but that would take way too long. Uh, we've received so many good theories and feedback and suggestions and encouragement and constructive criticisms and so many podcast reviews and Apple podcasts and in Stitcher and other places and, and so many tweets and followers and, and positive responses and, and messages from people asking where the podcast is because they're excited to listen to the podcast and the encouragement of those people who have said, you keep me watching the show and the encouragement from those who have said things like, you help me through difficult times in life because I know that you guys are like family and friends and I can laugh with you guys no matter what's going on in life. And we've received so much feedback that at times we needed help sorting it and putting it into place. So I'm very grateful to the past help we had in Slurpees 108, Corbin and Steve for sorting our feedback and in uh, processing screenshots that we've taken, hundreds of screenshots from different episodes over the seven years, Jacob and Jack helped a lot with that. Uh, all of those who wrote show notes for us, Dan, Jeremy, Jenny, Winnie Lee, and especially Jack for writing so many of our show notes and putting up with our late nights and odd hours since <laughs> she's in the Philippines. And, and John Buchanan for editing our episodes and taking that huge burden off of me. And uh, our guest writers on the blog that we've had over the years. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention Aaron writing some of our show notes too, but some of our guest writers, uh, Melissa Cavallo, Jed Anderson, Corbin, Lindsay, Matthew Paul, Slurpees 108, Time Spacer, Winnie Lee, and uh, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers and Matthew Paul contributing to that often. And Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums for us. Alias Scape was our chat moderator for quite a while, and she'd always turn off the lights for us when we were finished. Keb <laughs> doing a, an amazing job masterminding the timeline and making sense of a lot of these confusing things and putting it all together for us. And uh, my co-hosts, Jeremy Laughlin, Aaron, Dan Flynn, Heather Ordover, Hunter Hathaway, and Jacqueline hosting this podcast with me. And if you'd like to stay connected with any of our co-hosts, even those you haven't heard from in a while, then please follow us on Twitter through the links in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 350. And thanks most of all to my beautiful wife, Jenny, whose support, laughter, and love both on the microphone and off has meant the world to me. And so for one final time, I speak from all of us from the bottom of our hearts to say, thank you. Have a happy ever after. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a happy ever after. 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 And thanks for listening. 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 Thanks for listening.